Okay, a um, little bit of an icebreaker, which I know really is when you don't know people, but anyway, uh, we're in a strange place. Share with the person next to you, what everyday skill or ability would you really like to grow in? Okay, so um, not particularly Christian answers for this one. I've got another question, follow up, that would be. So, yeah, walking, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. So, yeah, talk to the person next to you. What, what skill, ability would you love to grow in if you just had all the time in the world and you could commit to learning something or learning something better? So, turn to the person next to you. How would you like to grow as a Christian? I know there'd be lots of things, but one, one way you'd love to grow. Okay, everyone. Did, did everybody come up with something for that second question? Yeah? Good. Okay, well, I, I'm really pleased to tell you then, you're on the right weekend. If you have any desire at all to grow as a Christian, this is the weekend to be on. This weekend, particularly this year, is designed for you and for me and for everyone who would like to keep on growing. Because this weekend, it's all about growing in grace. That is our theme for this weekend. We're going to be looking at how Christians grow. And this is a really important topic. Uh, Christian growth, growing as a Christian, is the pathway into all manner of fruitfulness, joy, satisfaction in the Christian life. It's so important and central to us serving God and glorifying him and serving those around us. Christian growth is so important, uh, but it's also, I think, a sadly neglected topic, sometimes misunderstood. Oftentimes, Christians don't give their own growth enough attention, perhaps for a couple of different reasons, I think. First, perhaps we don't know why we need to grow. That might be the thing holding us back. We don't know why we need to grow. Second, we might not be sure exactly how to grow. It's only when we know why we need to grow and how we can grow that we can be really joyfully intentional about pursuing growth. Uh, this last Mother's Day, which was last Sunday, wasn't it, if I'm remembering? It feels like a while ago. But um, So last Mother's Day, Noah, Beth and Toby, they uh, went on a hunt to buy something for Lizzie, um, and they were looking for a plant of some sort, and they, they picked an orchid. And if you've seen an orchid, um, they're harder to keep than you think, actually. Uh, but they look quite cool, don't they, and quite striking. So I think that's what caught their attention, better than the average bunch of flowers, they thought. And so um, they bought this orchid. But once they'd given it to her on Mother's Day morning, the, the conversation for the next sort of uh, five minutes at least, for the whole family, turned around how do you actually look after an orchid? <laughs> it turns out we didn't really know. We didn't know what would cause this orchid to thrive and grow rather than wither and die. None of us were experts on orchids. Fortunately, it came with a label. And that label explained what conditions this orchid would most uh, find advantageous for its growth. And so those instructions were invaluable. I don't think we even knew they were on there when we bought it, but suddenly we find them, suddenly they're invaluable because without them, we wouldn't have known what conditions this orchid is going to thrive in. Um, actually, having even read the label, the flowers keep falling off now, so <laughs> I don't know what that tells you, but it's more about our ability to follow the instructions. But in much the same way, God hasn't left us simply guessing as to what the best conditions might be for a Christian to thrive in and grow in. 
God has given us clear instructions. And it's those loving and life-giving instructions that we're going to explore together this weekend. We're here to learn how to grow. And, and praise God, God is with us. He is here to teach us how to grow. We're going to be looking at what soil Christians should be planted in, what practices they should be watered in, what surroundings they should be placed in. We're going to be looking at the different ways that God, by his grace, helps every Christian to grow. Uh, Now, tomorrow, and so we've got two sessions tomorrow, one on Sunday. Uh, On those three sessions, we're going to zoom in on uh, on three particular tools that God gives us to help us grow. Uh, So tomorrow morning, we're going to look at the gift of his word. Then we've got Ken coming to talk to us tomorrow late afternoon on the gift of prayer. And then finally, Sunday morning, Tom's going to talk to us about the gift of fellowship and, and Christians being together. This evening, though, I just want to introduce the bigger picture of why we need to grow and why we need God to help us grow. I just want to set the scene enough tonight that we will go to bed and we'll wake up in the morning thinking to ourselves, I I need this and I want this and I'm looking forward to this. That we would go to bed and wake up feeling like I'm ready to lean in and hear more about the things that God has given me to help me grow. So I've just got three very brief points this evening uh, that I want to cover, and all of them are about grace. They'll come up one after another on the screen. Uh, But they'll be salvation by grace, growth by grace, and habits of grace. So first of all, salvation by grace. This has got to be always the most important place for us to start whenever we start to talk about the Christian life. Salvation is always and forever by grace and grace alone. Grace being the very opposite of what we could ever deserve or earn. So many people in the world today, don't they, still think that Christianity is about being good in order to impress God and earn your way to heaven. They think Christianity is a works-based religion that's all about earning God's favour and his love and his approval. But that's not Christianity at all, and I know that we know that, but we need to be reminded of it. That idea, it's, it's really an abomination. The idea that we could work our way to God. No, Christianity is not about us climbing our way up to God. It's about God coming down to rescue us. About God in his grace offering us precisely what we could not earn and could not deserve. Grace, uh, you might have heard the definition before, is, could be described as God's riches at Christ's expense. God's grace is not free, it's costly, but we don't pay for it, Christ does. God's son foots the bill of our salvation. He died in our place, he he paid the price for all of our sins. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Well, why, why am I starting here tonight? Why do I think we should start here? Well, because on a weekend with the theme of Christian growth, it is so easy to let the gospel of grace slip out of you and mistakenly think that the Christian life is about salvation by works again. And so I really feel like I can't stress this enough tonight. This, this is probably, it may not seem like the most profound point, but it is the most important point perhaps that we're here all weekend. A Christian is not someone trying to save themselves by doing godly things. And all of the ways that we're going to look at this weekend to help us grow, they're all useless and rubbish if we think they'll make us Christians. 
reading the Bible, praying, and going to church, they're all worthless if we think they can do anything to make us right with God, to save us, or even raise us in God's affections and God's favour. A Christian is someone who's been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Someone who's been forgiven and made right with God, not by any good work that we have done. Saved solely by an undeserved outpouring of God's grace upon our life. Romans 3 verse 24, we are justified by his grace as a gift. That is true at the beginning of this weekend and it will be true still at the end of the weekend and all throughout. The Christian life begins with God's grace. It never shifts away from there. It doesn't morph into something else further down the line, even on Saturday morning when we get to talk about Bible and and then prayer and so on. It's grace all the way from top to bottom. It is grace from beginning to end. Which begs the question, why are we spending the weekend focusing on ways to grow? Uh, And the answer is, and this is thinking of our second heading now, Isaac. Uh, There we go. The answer is, because all throughout the New Testament, it's assumed that those who are saved by grace will also grow by grace. First of all, the Bible continually teaches and exhorts and encourages genuine Christians to grow. It assumes that Christians will grow. And I think when you think about it, this isn't especially surprising. Usually living things do grow. I've got a... If if you've been in my office, I probably have not introduced you to my plant because that would seem a little bit bit sad and a bit over the top, but um, my plants have names, and uh, one of them is called Felicity. I did have help um, on naming things. When I, when I met Lizzie and then married her, I discovered that she names everything. Someone once bought her a baby names book so that she could name inanimate objects, so <laughs> I couldn't get away with not naming my plant, and so the plant is called Felicity. Uh, and ever since I've got Felicity, I've been watching her and willing her to grow. And she's grown a lot, and she's still growing. But there have been periods where her growth has stalled. And usually there's a reason. Um, At one point I had to repot her because the pot was too small. She was getting too big. Uh, Sometimes she's lacking in water because I'm forgetful. Sometimes I'm away for a week, and my blinds are down, and so she doesn't get any daylight. So all of these factors can influence her growth. Sometimes they stunt her growth. There's all sorts of reasons why she might not be growing, but if the conditions are right, she ought to keep on growing. She's a living thing. So plants grow, animals grow, people grow. The normal expectation for all living things is that they'll grow. And seeing as a Christian is someone who's had new spiritual life put inside them, we've been made alive in Christ, we we should expect every Christian to grow. They're alive spiritually alive and so they should grow and the new testament repeatedly agrees with that expectation the new testament is constantly exhorting christians to grow so uh, i've got three quick verses here which all kind of capture this first peter 2 verse 2 grow up into salvation second peter 3 18 grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ ephesians 4 15 grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. And this growth, it's a lifelong process. It's a, it's a slow process. It's slow and steady. It's not quick and flashy. It literally takes a lifetime. Uh, some things in the world obviously reach maturity just in a few years. Most, 
most of us stop growing at a certain point, at least upwards. Um, some of us might want to grow outwards at times, but we stop growing upwards. But the Christian doesn't stop growing spiritually after a certain number of years. We don't reach full maturity until we get to heaven. And in that waiting time between now and heaven, we're meant to slowly but surely keep on growing. As Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and this is a bit of a paraphrase, but he essentially says a couple of times, I've heard such glowing reports about you, the, the, the way you love one another and the way you live to please God. And then he says, only let me urge you to do so more and more. So you're doing these things and there's wonderful growth, but he's constantly saying, do so more and more. Keep on growing. There is simply no such thing as a fully grown Christian who doesn't need to grow anymore. And uh, as you know, I spend a lot of time with Pete and uh, I was trying to remember, is he 76 or 77? Can anyone remember? I think 76. 76 could be. But honestly, one of the things of many things, one of the things I love about Pete is he is always eager to keep on growing. And I actually don't think I've met someone of his age who is so keen to keep growing uh, and so humble about his need to grow as well. So continuing growth is normal for every Christian, whether you've walked with Christ for six months or six years or 60 years. In fact, usually you can only observe this growth over a number of months and years. Often it takes other people around us to, to, to point out the growth for us. Uh, very rarely do we get to see plants grow or people grow literally before our eyes. And it's the same with Christians. Uh, you can, uh, if you're looking for something uh, more wholesome to look at in, on YouTube, you can look for sped up time-lapse videos of plants growing. And I think even of people growing, uh, seeing their face change over the years and so on. Um, but that's the point. Growth takes time. You need a time-lapse video to see our spiritual growth quite often, but it's most definitely happening. Genuine Christians grow. And the way they grow is by grace. Grace is our teacher. It's our teacher because, as it says in Titus 2 verse 12, the grace that saves us also trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. So this saving, forgiving, justifying grace abounds in our lives as Christians once we're saved. It abounds in our lives not by leaving us unchanged, leaving us to wallow in our old sinful habits and uh, like nothing has changed. No, God's grace so invades our lives that it carries on teaching us what we've been saved from and what we've been saved to. It, it teaches us in the most welcoming and, and loving tones. It, it says to us, this is what you were and this is what you now are. You were dead in your sins without hope and without God in this world. Now you're alive in Christ and you have eternal hope. And God is your father in heaven and you've got the Holy Spirit as your helper on earth. So grace says to us, don't live any longer as the person you once were. Live like the new creation in Christ that by grace you now are. That's what God's grace is teaching us and reminding us of day after day after day, of who we now are in Christ. But not only is grace our teacher, it's also our empowerer. Grace is our fuel for growth, not just a teacher, but it's our empower, it's our fuel for growth. And, and this is really so important for us to understand as we think about Christian growth. Christian growth certainly does take effort on our part. 
It doesn't just happen by accident. It sadly doesn't happen by osmosis, just because we hang around with other uh, godly Christians. It's something we're called to intentionally and diligently pursue. Uh, So again, Titus 2.12 that we just looked at, grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. It trains us. Grace trains us. 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, train yourself for godliness. This this is working out at the gym language, Uh, but this is the spiritual gym. And yet we're to find the strength to work out, not in ourselves. It's not about looking inside ourselves. I've got to draw on my spiritual reserves. I've got to find the hero inside myself. I've got to draw on my inner strength. No, the strength that we're to tap into in order to grow is God's strength. We're to tap into God's strength. Philippians 4 verse 13, Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Colossians 1.29, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. What we need is God's energy and God's strength to flow into us so that then we can strive and toil to grow. What we need is the super fuel of God's grace. Now, if you've ever been on a long car journey, and I'm, I'm thinking longer than it perhaps took you to come here today, but picture a really long one. The sort of journey where you have to plan for fuel You have to know you've got enough fuel and maybe it's best to start out with a full tank. Perhaps you go out the night before to fill up so you know I'm all set for the morning. We can get a fair few hundred miles. But even then, if you're going to be on the road for a while, you need to know where on the journey you can top up with more fuel. Just imagine being a car driver who either doesn't know a car needs fuel or who doesn't realize that after a while a car's going to need more fuel. Or imagine knowing you'll need it but not knowing where to get more of it. Imagine thinking, perhaps, that even you could make fuel yourself. I hope no one's ever actually tried this, not for a real car. Um, I don't know what you'd use. I don't know if you can do funny things with cooking oil um, or or dig a little oil well on the side of the road uh, halfway on the journey. It kind of feels like the sort of thing a joy would try out. Um, Perhaps if you had an electric car, you'd try and do something clever with lemons. I seem to remember being taught that you could power a light bulb with a lemon. Is that right? So... Fill your, you fill your boot with lemons, a thousand lemons, and hook them up, and maybe that works. It's not going to go very well, is it? Cars need regular top-ups of fuel, which means we need to know what the right fuel is and where we can regularly get it. And in much the same way, all throughout the Christian life, we need a regular supply of spiritual super fuel. We need high-octane, 100% proof grace to put into the fuel tank of our hearts to keep us going and growing. So cars, they run on petrol or diesel or electric. Christians run on grace. Grace is our fuel. And the fuel stations where we pick up fresh fillings of grace, well, they're often referred to by Christians as the spiritual disciplines, or to use a better term, or a term I prefer, the habits of grace. So this is our third and final heading this morning. And this is what the rest of our weekend is about. Um, uh, Sorry, I missed all your slides. Oh. It's <laughs> okay, as long as it wasn't my fault. We'll share the, we'll share the slides. Those are <laughs> Habits of grace is what the rest of the weekend is all about. 
So I don't want to delve into all the finer details now and spoil what's to come. But just before we finish this evening, I want to introduce you to this big headline idea of habits of grace and how it is that these habits supply us with divine and supernatural grace. And this actually is what the little booklet I've given you is. So um, one of the books that's been particularly inspired the idea in my mind for this weekend, and then uh, I think Ken and Tom have, have drawn on a bit amongst other things as well, um, is this book, Habits of Grace. And so the flyer is like a little summary of that book. So I thought that'd be helpful as well. Do have a read through that over the weekend. Um, but the first thing to remember is that we can't twist God's arm or force him to give us the grace we need in order to stay spiritually healthy. It's not that we've got to persuade God. Grace can't be bought or earned or bartered for. And uh, this is a quote from that book, David Mathis. He writes, and this one, yes, lovely. I can flip a switch, but I don't provide the electricity. I can turn on a tap, but I don't make the water flow. There will be no light and no liquid refreshment without someone else providing it. And so it is for the Christian with the ongoing grace of God. His grace is essential for our spiritual lives, but we don't control the supply. We can't make the favor of God flow, but he has given us circuits to connect and pipes to open expectantly. There are paths along which he has promised his favor. And that's what these habits of grace are. We can't make God supply us with grace, but fortunately we don't have to make him because he loves to give it to us. He loves to pour it lavishly upon us. And he promises to give it to us most often and most abundantly through some very particular means. Think of it, if you like, uh, like the water that we drink. Now, day to day, especially here in the UK, water, as we know, does sometimes fall from the sky, uh, actually more often than we would like. And that can bring a measure of refreshment when it rains on us. But most of us know that the place to get a guaranteed and plenteous supply of drinking water whenever we need it is from a tap. If a guest comes around to your house and tells you that they're thirsty, you don't go and tell them to stand in the garden with their mouth open and hope that it rains. You go right on over and you turn on the tap and you fill a glass for them right to the brim. You know that the tap is the guaranteed place where you'll find as much water as you need every time you need it. Well, these habits of grace, they're the spiritual taps that God has generously and graciously placed into the life of every Christian. They're like the electric sockets that we're going to keep on plugging ourselves into. And according to the Bible, God gives us quite a variety of these, these, uh, these plug-in points, these, these taps of refreshment, but they can almost all of them be organized under three big headings, God's word, prayer, and fellowship with other Christians. Or as David Mathis helpfully puts it in his little, the little tract I've given you, he, he sums it up as hearing God's voice, having his ear, and belonging to his body. And so the best way for us to grow, and really the only way for us to grow, is to drink much and often from these God-given, life-giving means of grace. And that's why we're going to spend a session focusing on each of those this weekend to help us understand why each one of them is a rich means of grace and to help us think more about how we can practice them and plug into them and be refreshed by them day after day. But when all is said and done, I want to end here. The, the ultimate goal is not just that we become better Bible readers 
or better prayers or better church members and Christians amongst other Christians. The ultimate goal is that these habits of grace will help us to press on to know the Lord himself. Knowing and enjoying Jesus, that's the ultimate goal of this weekend. It's the ultimate goal of these habits of grace. And so that's what we want to be praying that God uh, would help us to do this weekend, that we would lean in and get to know our Saviour better. Let's pray for that now. Heavenly Father, that is our greatest prayer and our desire for this weekend. Lord, we want to grow in our knowledge and enjoyment of you. Lord, we want to see your glory, the glory that shines nowhere more brightly than in the face of your Son. And may we be increasingly transformed as we look deeper this weekend into your word and as we put our roots down deeper into Christ. Lord, we, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to approach these habits of grace for what they really are, not, not as duty, not as drudgery, not as ways of buying your favour, but as spiritual taps full of divine refreshment and the most amazing grace. Amen. Let's stand, let's sing together.